Can you feel it? Do you see it? It's moving. Pushing relentlessly. A light racing through the darkness of space. It will not be overwhelmed. It's a rising tide. A gentle breeze. Falling rain. A burning fire. A quiet place. When we rise, it rises. And when we speak, it resounds. It's the warmth of an embrace. The mercy of a smile. An extended hand. It's coming. It is love. You are love. Alpha. Omega. Almighty. I am. Holy. God. Your kingdom. Your power. Your glory.
God, we praise you. What an incredible thing to proclaim. We praise God because of his faithfulness, the things that he's done and provided for us. But we also praise him because of who he is, that he is a God who is almighty, all-powerful, that he is holy, that he is our grace and mercy, forgiveness, that he is love. My favorite line in that song is when it says, love has won. And that, to me, is definitely worth celebrating. Well, my name is Shauna, and I'm the production manager at the Clinton Township campus, and I just want to say welcome. We are so glad that you have joined us for our services today. Now, church definitely looks a little different these days, as we're not gathering for in-person services, but our teams have been hard at work to provide different ways for you to still be able to connect to our community here at Kensington. Now, our student ministries team is knocking it out of the park, so I think you should check this out. Hey Kensington, my name is Aaron Gross and I'm the student ministry director at our Troy campus. However, I'm representing our student ministry team across all of our campuses here at Kensington. We're so glad that you're joining us today for our service on our live stream. I want to communicate that student ministries is still happening. Now clearly we're not still gathering in person, but we believe in the power of small groups and discipleship for our 6th through 12th graders. Therefore, we have created digital content and virtual spaces for our students to jump into a small group with their small group leader. Some of our campuses are doing Zoom services on Sunday mornings, while others are doing an entertaining and spiritual video on Sunday evenings, where their students can jump in and engage with their community and see what God is trying to teach us all during this time. All throughout the week, each of our campuses are on social media and, and are looking for ways to engage with our students and our community at large. We have students who are sharing on our Instagram live. We have small group leaders that are being interviewed and sharing their story with the community. We're taking prayer requests so that we can pray over the community as well as sharing worship songs throughout the week. We want to encourage you to go to kensingtonchurch.org and see all the different ways that your campus is trying to engage and connect with, with their community. We seriously miss everyone. Virtual Zoom is just not the same as being in person. But we are so grateful and thankful for technology and all that it's allowing us to do and, and helping us stay connected and continue to walk with each other during this time. We love our student ministries. Thank you guys so much for everything you are doing. So if you are a student in 6th through 12th grade or you're the parent of a student, I would highly encourage you to take advantage of these opportunities. Get connected. Now, Danny Cox, who is the lead pastor of our Troy campus, recently connected with Ramesh, one of our partners. Ramesh fights and works to end human trafficking of women and children. Ramesh is going to give us an update of how this global pandemic is affecting him, his ministries, and his daughters, which are the girls that have been rescued. So let's take a look. This is Danny. I'm here with one of my great friends and a friend of Kensington, Ramesh Sapkota. Uh, Ramesh is one of the absolutely wonderful leaders we have in our community and around the world. It was a joy being with you for those seven or eight days, nine days, whatever it was. Tell us a little bit about what you're going through. Since you left uh, after the three or four days, uh, unexpectedly the country declared the lockdown and it is now the 23rd day of the lockdown in our home and lockdown is pretty severe. For a few days they were saying that's okay, that's maybe good, that's maybe for beneficial. But uh, right now, is especially for those people who are poor and marginalized, they are severely affected. It's a very strange feeling, and no one of this generation has experienced that kind of a feeling. Right. And uh, so most of the people, um, even in a mountain, they are contained in their homes. And these people are struggling a lot and uh, to cope up with this kind of a shutdown period because uh, we depend on so many things from outside to come in right. as a country. And uh, so the supply, food supply, vegeta vegetables, and any other supply is getting low and so unavailable and people cannot afford to buy it. So it is a very uneasy. As a firm believer for myself and my team, what I would like to see that it is, I remember the Bible verse that was mentioned in the book of Mark chapter four, and 35 to 41 and the way jesus said to his disciples let's go the other side of the lake yeah. when they were traveling in the midst of the lake they had a big storm and so they that's they were about to be drowned and it was natural and normal to get afraid and they to do uh the scared as well but 
they forgot. In the meantime, they forgot Jesus saying, let's go the other side. Mm. Oh, wow. Because they were going anyhow the other side. So what I would like to say to my friends is that uh, I would like to encourage you is that God is going to take you the, or take us the other side. Right. He's going to show us the other side. That's why we need to stay uh, trusting him. We need to stay believing in him. And he is the one who sustains our life. But it helps us to grow in our journey. It helps our, us to be stronger in our walk. And it helps us to see uh, the God's provision in a special time. I mean, friend, right now at this morning, I was sitting at my home and outside I saw 15 people walking. Mm. 15 were walking and I, I raised my question, hey, where are you going? And they said to me that they are leaving Kathmandu and traveling to the far west Nepal. Wow. And they were said to travel about 400 miles. Out of the 15, four of them were wow. children under five, age of five. Wow. And these people are de in desperation. And they said to walk. They are determined to walk 400 miles. Wow. 400 miles. I asked them how many days? Six, seven, eight days, 10 days. They are said to walk that. And when I saw their determinations, I'm in a mess. So pray for those people. Pray for those the affected people, the marginalized people, the poor people, and especially the, my daughters, the girls whom we rescue from human trafficking, they mm. may not be affected by these kind of things. So the traffickers would come with the different names and be taken away. So please pray for the safety of the daughters as well. Yeah, we'll be praying for you for sure. We love your, we love our daughters. Uh, boy, it was a joy. We were, it's a, just a joy being with you. You're always a joy. You always make me smile and you always have some beautiful wisdom for us. So, hey, we love you and we'll be praying for you and we'll see you really soon. Thank you, Danny. Thank you. Thank you, congregation. Thank you, everybody All right. for your support. Wow, it's just incredible to hear those updates from Amesh. And so I would encourage you to join us as we continue to pray for him and for his ministries and the things that God is doing in and through him during this time. Now you've joined us today for week three of our series, Beauty from Ashes. Today, Craig McGlasson, a teaching pastor from our Clinton Township campus, along with Jeremiah Roy from our Clarkston campus, will be leading us through the message. Jalen C. Wright from our Troy campus and many others will be leading us through music as we conclude our series today.
So that song was, wow, powerful. And I think for me, the line in there that was the most powerful was the most powerful because it's not just a line of truth, it's also a line of promise. When they sang, I will lift my eyes to the hills, it's a reference to a promise and a truth found in Isaiah that our help is found when we look up. And we have a tendency so often in life when things are out of control, whether because of this pandemic we're in or anything else, to look low, to look to other people, to look to our own strength, to look to our own tenacity, to look to our resources. We look low. And what that song says is, man, where's help come from? Lift your eyes up to the mountains. Why? Because help comes from Jesus. Help, true help, comes from above. And we're going to talk about that today, not just where our help comes from, but also where our mission comes from. So if I haven't met you yet, my name is Craig, and I am one of the teaching pastors over at Clinton Township. I'm also the director of our church planning efforts here at Kensington, and I'm just thrilled to be here with you today and have the chance to wrap up our series in week three of Beauty from the Ashes. Everybody, I'm Jeremiah Roy. I am at our Clarkson campus, our lead pastor there, and I also am super pumped to be able to spend time with Craig and each one of you this morning. Uh, and so, Craig, I just want to let everybody know here, too, that I've gone to great lengths today to actually get ready, um, but only 50%. So I, I want you to know to feel comfortable at home. I, I've actually got my flannels on right here. <laughs> so it's like awesome. up top here and uh, relax. Well, I, okay, I guess I'll, I'll be honest and I'll admit, I... Uh, I also did a today. I at least put on a nice, I call these my uh, Valentine's Day edition sleepwear. I guess so, man. Holy cow. Oh, so I'll just keep it wasted up for the rest of the morning. That's fine. Well, we thought it'd be fun to have a, uh, just a little laugh real quick with each one of you. So, uh, hey, we have been so just blown away. We wanted to share something with you. So blown away. People's um, generosity, so many of you that have been able uh, to, to be generous um, have done so. And it's been wild the things that Kensington Church has been able to do because of its people. Uh, giving almost 15,000 plus meals uh, to people on the um, front lines, and uh, it's been unbelievable, and giving to food banks and so much. And so we want to tell you, thank you so much for those that are able to give. And we want to say this too in the same breath, that if you're in a position of economic hardship, that we love you, and we are on mission with you. And if there's anything that we can do to meet a need, please to reach out to us. We'd want to be helped to you. And so you can see in your screen, there's a couple ways to give. Uh, you can do that uh, by simply texting 77977. Uh, you can go in less than 10 seconds on the app and give that way. Uh, and you can do it at kensingtonchurch.org forward slash giving. So we also want to say that normally this time uh, we would tell you to go in our lobby afterwards, but our lobby is kind of your living room right now, right? And so we want to encourage you. We would love to say hello. If you're newer to Kensington or you've just recently been streaming online, that you can text um, to 248-781-2771. The word hello, or you can go to kensingtonchurch.org forward slash hello, and we would love to be able to get connected to you uh, to offer you some of the things that we have going on here. So, and at this time too, we'd love before we press into this, we're talking about the early church and how it actually was super powerful and how it exploded and how that same power could be something that can happen today in our church. And so we want to pray as we get started. Father, we, uh, we ask you, Lord, that in this unprecedented time, uh, this wild time that we're existing in right now, that Jesus, that your power and your peace would be in our life and that we could be on mission with you, God. Yes. Even when it seems like it's not possible, Lord, you're still inviting us into the unknown in a real way. So may you bless today. Uh, may you encourage your church and remind your church um, that you are for us and not against us and you are inviting us on an incredible mission. In your name, Jesus, we ask. Amen. Amen. So there's no denying that we're living in an absolutely crazy time right now. And for all that's challenging about it, one of the things that, for my personality, begins to be a little exciting is thinking about what's next. Like, where do we go from here? And what might be produced out of the chaos that we're living in right now? And I got to be honest, one of the things that I think is coming out of this that's good is got to be all of these quarantine memes. Like, seriously, they're off the charts right now. One of my favorites, I just read this last week. It says like, how's it go? It goes, uh, they said eat at home more and out less and you'll lose weight. Quarantine is determined. <laughs> that is a lie. That's a total lie. Man, let me tell you something. Our, our, total lie. our expenses have gone down, Craig, like in our entertainment expenses and babysitting <laughs> and stuff because we have four kids. 
but our grocery bill, I don't know about you, has gone up big time, like eating us out of house. Oh, it's through the roof. Yeah, myself and all my boys. Uh, and it's so funny that it's been amazing because I feel like we've been eating really good food <laughs> and getting creative in the kitchen. Uh, but a couple days ago, my wife had made biscuits and gravy, and, uh, and they were really good. Like the Bob Evans kind, right? Bob Evans down on the farm. I got, I've got that jingle in. Sorry, I hope I just can give it to you too. But I woke up and uh, went downstairs like probably 11.30 at night, and I opened the fridge for something, probably the fifth or sixth trip to the fridge, right? And I pulled that out, and I warmed up, <laughs> and it was like the big bowl that would be left in. I, was, I should have dished it to a smaller bowl, and I didn't. Man, I ate the entire thing of biscuits and gravy, <laughs> and I was oh my so gosh. sick to my stomach, man. Oh, for the next 24 <laughs> hours. I am done with biscuits and gravy, and I agree with you. That meme is not true. Like, you will not lose weight so uh, by staying at home. So so basically for you, it's uh, down on the toilet. <laughs> Very true, man. <laughs> Stay away from the biscuits and no gravy. No more biscuits and gravy for so, this guy. So my first job when, uh, like, beyond, like, kid jobs, like mowing lawns when I was a kid and delivering papers, like, my first real job was working at KFC, so it was actually with food too. And uh, it's so funny, because I'll never forget, like my onboarding process in that job, I sit down with my manager and they're going over like all of this stuff that you just don't care about as a kid for the history of KFC. And that's where he tells me, true story, he says, the 11 herbs and spices are so secret, this is what he told me, that the only one that exists is still the original handwritten note, and that it's actually in a locked vault and even the, like the high top executives don't know what it is. And so I'm like, this can't be for real. So I look at the guy, I'm like, dude, this is not for real. And this is what he says to me. He goes all straight face. He's like, bro, executives come and go, but the secret of the Colonel remains. And I'm like waiting for him to laugh. There was no laugh. Like, bro, you need to get a new job and loosen the top button because you're a little stiff and uptight. <laughs> this is like, Come on, man. Now, some of you might be going, listen, they can keep those 11 herbs and spices locked up because KFC is nasty, except for the coleslaw. Give it up for the coleslaw. But you might think, like, it's nasty. I don't want it. Here's the bottom line. I don't care what food you like. You like it for one reason. Because of the way it's prepared. The right ingredients, the right recipe, or even a secret ingredient can make you literally like something you previously hated. Like, seriously, my wife and I went over to Jim and Tracy Hinkle's house recently for dinner. Like, pre-pandemic and uh, we show up we're having a great time and then Jim rolls out that we're having salmon for dinner and I'm like oh no my wife hates seafood and at the top of the list salmon hates salmon but she's also a good guest and so I knew she'd do what she did which is she ate it but I'm like looking over her the whole time and she ate the entire thing I'm like dang she's really playing this well and then we get home she's like honey that was amazing salmon it was so good so she comes home from the store the other day with two giant fillets of salmon. So it looks like I need to learn how to cook salmon like Jim Hinkle. But the right ingredients can make you actually love something you previously hated. And I think that there's a true element in that for the church. I think that the church also has a sort of secret ingredient that is the power behind it. And I don't think it's actually much of a secret because all throughout the Bible, Jesus consistently tells us what that secret is. Matthew chapter 18 verse 20 is one of the clearest and one of my favorite places. It says this, For where there are just two or three gathered in my name, there I am with them. There's this promise in this truth where even just two of us get together for the purposes and the person of Jesus. There is a power in that place and in that gathering like no other. Here's the bottom line. You and I, as followers of Jesus, we are the secret ingredient to the church. And maybe the, the best thing that in all honesty could come out of this entire situation that we find ourselves in right now is not the memes. Maybe it's that as everything that we have so long relied on to be the power and experience of the church as that's being taken away from us. Is it maybe on the other side of this that God will teach us that what is not being taken away is the very thing he has always intended to be the true power of the church. And that's you and I. We are that secret ingredient, and this is our mission. I love that, Craig. This is our mission. Like, I stop and I listen to you, and I'm like, <laughs> I want to be part of this mission. I want to be in that mm -hmm. kind of mission, right? All of us would. You hear that, and your heart's compelled to it. 
But you stop and you can't help but just, you know, throw the question out. How can we be on mission if, if, if God is inviting you and I and, and all of us that are listening right now to be on mission in an unprecedented time? I thought when I started hearing that word unprecedented, I thought, can they possibly say that anymore? But the reality is it's truth. Like, stop and think about it. Like, who would have thought Instacart would be the number one way that groceries would be delivered to your doorstep, right? Or that if you had stock in Zoom a little bit uh, sooner, a few months ago, you could be a millionaire right now. Uh, I think about, like, the drive-by birthdays that take place. I just had a drive-by birthday. April 10th was my birthday, and I'm an extrovert. I was wanting to so badly get out there and say hi to everybody, and Maria was like, six feet, you know, as people drove by. I wanted everything to give them a hug. You can't do that, you know? And so I'm like, I asked, well, how can we be on mission? And what's so interesting is the church, and this time, the book of Acts that we're talking about today, was also in an unprecedented time. Like, they, they had major oppression and things pushing against them. And, and the mission, though, was so clear. I want to read it to you. It starts in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. It says, but you, and I love it, because, Craig, you just said that you and I, like, this is you and I that are on mission together, all of us. But you, and that audience then is no different than now, you will receive power. This is a big part of it. Receive power from the Holy Spirit when he comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the ends of the earth. Like this is not just a mission in your backyard. This is a mission across the world. And again, I stop and I think like we're supposed to share the love and power of Jesus Christ how do we do that, right? Like right now when we feel like powerless, and this isn't an epidemic, this is a pandemic. This is worldwide that this is going on. This is not just you and I, this is everybody. And God's like, I want you to share to the whole world and the whole world's on lockdown. Like, how is that possible? And I love the fact that it says you'll receive power. Have you ever felt powerless? I feel like that's a loaded question. Like, yeah, Jeremiah, right now I feel powerless. Powerless maybe uh, over my job and the security that I have in it. My finances, my stocks, the, everything is restrained and I'm handcuffed. But what's so interesting, one of our values here at Kensington is we believe that God does his greatest work when we are powerless. From brokenness is one of our values. We believe that from our brokenness uh, and our insecurities and inadequacies, God does something amazing. He really does. And I, I remember growing up, my dad, there were these four or five kids in our neighborhood that were bullies. And uh, Craig, they would always yell at me and pick on me. And I was 11 years old at the time. And they were about 15 or 16. And they came down the street one time with like, probably 12 of them, and they were yelling at me, and I yelled back. And I don't know what came over me. I just yelled back because I was so frustrated, and they walked closer, and they said, we're going to fight you right now, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, what did I just do? I felt so powerless, and my dad walks up, and I've said this before. My dad is a complete mix of John Wayne and Clint Eastwood. That's who he is, man. He's like the love child of those two guys, and he walks up, and all the boys begin to walk back, and he says, well, what's the problem here, boys? And, and, you know, we kind of explained to him. My dad said, well, here's what's going to happen. I said, I'm not going to let you jump my son. You're not all going to fight him at the same time. I said, that's right. I felt, I started feeling really powerful. I'm like, that's right. And my dad goes, I'm going to let you fight him one at a time. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I look over and the kids, they all look over too like your dad's wild. And I'm thinking, you are wild, man. What are you talking about? But in this same breath, I felt like he's got my back. He's with me. And while that may never make the parenting books, <laughs> mind you, my dad's an old Southern guy and I don't parent that way. I knew that he had my back. And I'm telling you, this word power means dunamis in Greek. It means that it's like dynamite. It's explosive power that Jesus wants to put in us. And you may still be saying, okay, so the power of God inside of me, like this is part of the mission, but how did they continue to move out this plan? They're trapped and we're trapped in our homes, Jeremiah. How can we do this? Hey, Craig and I are filming from our homes right now, right? Uh, this morning, you're sitting in your home this morning too. Uh, and yet, so the gospel is going forward. And you know, it's interesting. At that time, there was so much Roman oppression pushing back against the disciples to stay in their home too. Sound familiar? But look what happens. We pick up in the middle of this prayer that Peter and John, they're just released from jail in the book of Acts chapter four, and they begin to pray. And look what they pray for. It says, now Lord, consider their threats. Right? They're pushing us back in our homes. And enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness, power, Right? Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. And all the believers were one in heart and mind. And no one claimed that any of their possessions was their own. But they shared everything they had. And with great, here it comes again, power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so, here it comes again, powerfully at work in them all. 
uh, that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them. That act of generosity, so powerful, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. This is our mission. Like, we get to be on that mission that I just described from that scripture. That mission is no different then to the early church than it is now. I mean, this is amazing, Craig, that we get to be connected and part of this. Yeah, and I, and I love, too, how when you look at the story of how the disciples moved through this moment of all that was against them, you've got them at the start, like you said a minute ago, essentially huddled in fear in their home. But now at the end of what you just read, they're kind of emerging out of their homes and emerging out of that fear. And you've got this group that had previously seen all the resistance against them as a barrier now begins to see it as an opportunity. And they rise up in this newly emboldened courage that they just asked God for and God gave them and they move. Here's the problem with that, though. If they were a threat to both Rome and especially the Jewish leaders before, they're even double threat now. And so in matching response, the Jewish leaders decide to double down their oppression and their resistance against this early church and these early followers of Jesus. And here's what's so exciting, though. As the pressure against the church begins to grow, like Jeremiah was saying, the power within the church grows even more. And, and so here, here's where you can go, all right, that's great. This is happening finally. Like they're moving out. They're seeing God do things. The only problem is it's not quite time to celebrate yet because he said, here was the mission. We just read it in Acts 1, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. They're still in Jerusalem. There's a whole lot more ground that this mission has to cover. And so here's what we read. If you keep going through Acts, we started in 1.8 for the mission. I want to flip that and go 8.1. And I want you to see what begins to happen in the church now. <clears throat> Verse 1 of chapter 8, on that day a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered, watch this, were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned him deeply. But Saul began to destroy the church, going from house to house. He dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. And those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the message there. So you've got this picture in Acts of Acts 1-8 being the mission. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. And then you flip that and you go over to 8-1 and you see the method that God begins to implore to push his church into that very mission. And, and here's what's incredible. As the persecution begins to come against the church, the church is literally scattered into the very places that God gave him a mission to go. Here's what you can't miss this morning, is that the persecution against the church, it was not a barrier to them accomplishing their mission. It was a catalyst. It was a catalyst. And I think that the time that we're living in right now is that kind of a time for us. I don't think that this epidemic and pandemic that we're in right now, I don't think that even though it is stripping so much away from us, our gatherings and our get-togethers, our ministries, our programs, it's stripping away so much. It is not a barrier to the mission God has given us. It is a catalyst. And I'm not downplaying either what we're going through or the fact that it's costing lives, it's costing money, it's creating anxiety, stress, fear, it's messing with our families, it's messing with us emotionally. And I'm not downplaying the fact either that the outcome is still highly uncertain right now. But here's what I also know. It has been time and time again throughout history in moments just like this that God has pushed and motivated his people to accomplish some of the greatest things they have ever accomplished. Listen, we, we keep saying that this is unprecedented, and it is. And we keep saying that being unprecedented means that we'll probably, hopefully, never live through a situation like this again. If that's true, then church, we will never have an opportunity like this again. This is our mission. And this is our moment. Love that, Craig. It's so true. This is our mission to be able to spread the good news of Jesus Christ that we know radically transforms our marriages and our lives and uh, down to the very granular part of who we are as human beings in the most amazing, beautiful way. And this is our moment. Have you ever had a moment, right, in life where you thought this is the perfect moment to do something? I can remember growing up and uh, playing basketball. I loved it. And in high school basketball, my role was a power forward, and a good friend of mine, Brian, was the point guard. And my job, anytime the ball would be out of bounds or to bring in, I would throw it into him. And we were in a really tight game. 
I mean, it was just down. We were only down by about two points, and, and, the, and the clock was running out. And I thought, oh, my gosh, it's coming down to this, this moment. Our mission was to win the game, and this was our moment to do something great. And so I got the ball, and I threw it into my friend Brian. The problem is he got double teamed because he was a very good ball handler and a great shot, and so they knew they were going to cover him. And he threw it back to me. And I looked up at the clock, and I saw that there were three seconds left on the clock. And I thought, oh, my gosh, what do I do? And, I, and it hit me, just what you're saying, Craig. My mission was to help win the game for the team. This was my moment. <laughs> like, I knew. This is my moment. And so I grabbed the ball, and I'm near half court. And I thought, what do I do? And I took one step forward, and I knew I wasn't really a good ball handler. And so I grabbed the ball, and I thought, I'm going to launch it. And so I did it. I took the ball, and I looked at the hoop, and I'm at half court. And I just, I mean, I just launched the ball. The ball began to spin and take off. And it was almost as if time slowed down. In that moment, and the ball is beginning to move its way toward the hoop. And I thought, oh, my gosh, my heart's beginning to race. I'm like, I, th I think it's going to go in. I think I'm going to win the game. My mission was to win the game. And this is my moment. It's going, and it's making its way. And all of a sudden, people are standing up on the benches. People are standing up in the stands. And it's just like right out of a movie, right? Um, and then it's going, but it begins to make its way over top the rim, over top the backboard, <laughs> all the way through. And it came through the two posts. <laughs> Uh, that would hold down. And uh, all my friends stood up on the bench and they That's go, awesome. it's good, like a field goal. And my, my coach was going, Roy, it's my last name. Look at the clock. And there were two minutes That's and three awesome. seconds left. And so it was not my moment to do that. But I want to tell you something emphatically with all my heart. This is mm. our moment. This is mm. your moment. Some of you, this is your moment to trust Jesus Christ, to follow him. He's been inviting you on this incredible mission. For some of you, you've been on the sidelines and God's been saying, come on, I need you. You've been part of this. And so as we watch, too, and we think, well, yeah, but look at Peter and John. Those were powerful apostles. They were ordinary men. You read the book of Acts. They were just ordinary people, but because they had been with Jesus, which is what you and I get to do. When we know Jesus, something extraordinary begins to happen in our life, as it did for the disciples in the early church. And so Craig and I just want to share just a couple thoughts that we've noticed, a few ways, right, that the disciples in the early church responded when they were invited on this mission and the methods that they chose. And one way was this, that they would ask for the miraculous. It says in chapter 4, verse 31, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. I mean, the ground shook. Can you imagine after a prayer meeting or praying at home or in your car and the ground shakes, right? This power that's going on, you're asking for the miraculous. And right now, a lot of our prayers might be, Lord, keep me safe, and there's nothing wrong with that. But what if our prayers shifted, not just, Lord, keep me safe, but Lord, use me. God, can you do something powerful? Because there is this unique thing that we see in the book of Acts, right, Craig? Uh, that it's actually, there's a boldness and a power on them. And so it's like God's preparing them to do something bold and powerful. And the, the wild thing is he's wanting to do something bold and powerful in you and I too. And I want to challenge you and myself and all of us that, that what is that God's inviting us to that we need to ask for the miraculous? You know what's so beautiful? More often than not, God will invite you into a God-sized mission, something bigger than you or me, or Kensington, or any of us can do on our own. And that we have to find ourselves to be humble and say, God, would you help me? God, would you give me power to do this? Maybe right now that you've been trapped in quarantine, that you're looking at your marriage and you're like, God, I don't think I can fix this. Now that I can look face to face with my spouse every day, I realize we have problems and they're bigger than, than we are. And we don't know how to resolve these. God, can you do something miraculous? Or maybe it's in your parenting, or maybe it's with your finances, or maybe it's in your depression or anxiety. It could be anything at all. And so I just want to encourage you, to take this opportunity and do what the early disciples did. Do what the early church did and ask for the miraculous. When Jesus invited, right, the disciples to follow him, he was going to invite them on a place where he would show them things they couldn't even imagine understood. But sometimes we will tightly hold on to what we know to be safe and secure. I want to tell you the truth. We've learned in this pandemic that's an illusion. Job security, it's an illusion, right? Finances, all those are temporary strengths. Jesus Christ is the ultimate power. And so I just want to encourage you that when Jesus invites you to follow him, he's inviting you to ask for the miraculous, to do something that you mm. couldn't have thought or imagined. That's what I love about this. Yeah. You know, one of the other things that you see the disciples do that I think is so important for us to do as well right now, and it's so easily overlooked, is it says in Acts chapter 8 that after Stephen was basically murdered, that he was executed by Saul is that the disciples took a moment to bury him and to mourn that loss. I think one of the things that's so important right now to do is to identify, acknowledge that there's a lot of loss. There's a lot of grief. There's a lot of things that just really stink in the midst of everything that God wants to yet do. See, I don't think that God's mission 
and suffering are separate from one another. There's still a lot of things that while we can say God's doing something incredible, there's a lot of things that we need to say, and there's a lot that really, really stinks right now. Like, I'll, I'll be honest, man, for me, in the last couple of weeks, like, I don't know what happened, but I just hit a wall. Like, at the start of all this, I feel like my personality to want to build and create and fix just leapt in. It was like, how do we respond to all this? And like two weeks ago, emotionally, I just hit a wall and sunk. And I was talking to a friend of mine, and he said, you know what your problem is? You're grieving. I'm like, I'm not grieving. He's like, you're grieving. And I, and I almost felt like I didn't even have the right to say I was grieving. I haven't lost my job. My wife hasn't lost her job. We've lost nobody personally close to us that has COVID. None of us have gotten sick. And I'm like, I can't claim that I'm grieving. That's not for me. And he said, no, you are. And I sort of think through the list of different ways that this has impacted our life. Uh, a vacation that we had to cancel that we were looking forward to as a family, uh, a nephew who won't be able to walk across the stage for his graduation, a friend of mine who recently had his 40th birthday party. He's a good friend of mine. We should have been together. And instead, we drove by his house. There's weddings that are being postponed. Uh, there's parties that are being canceled. There's relatives that are passing away, some from COVID, some just for other reasons, but people aren't able to go to funerals. I mean, there's just all of this stuff that's happening right now. And I realized, I, I think I am grieving. I'm grieving the loss of a lot of things that are going on. And this was so helpful. My friend said, now you've got to take that grief and you've got to mourn it. And this is what he said that was really helpful to me. He said, your grief is what you feel inside to everything that's messed up in the situation. Mourning is when you take what you feel inside and you begin to verbalize it outside. And when you do that, you start to take away the power of it. And I'm just telling you, for some of us, maybe all of us, the reality is this, we can't fully embrace the, missions God for, the mission God has for us until we start to admit ways that we're grieving all the situations around us as well. And, and then here's what the disciples did next. And, and this, frankly, might be the pinnacle of what they did that thrust the church into its mission. Is that it says that as they went from town to town, they shared Jesus. Is that we have to be prepared at all times and in all situations to share the hope that we have. The hope in Jesus. Now, this is one of the areas where the church, I think, has shied back so often in the last number of years. Because we've gotten really good at loving people, we've gotten, and we should, and we've gotten really good at serving people, and we should. But I think we get so intimidated when it comes to just boldly declaring that there is a God, His name is Jesus, His death and resurrection made a way for us to know Him, and, and bringing that truth to the relationships that we have. Like, we're so worried about not knowing the Bible enough about being that guy or that girl, that we miss so many opportunities. And I'm just gonna tell you, now is not the time to shrink back in fear. Now is the time to be bolder than ever with compassion and kindness and gentleness, but to be bolder than ever that there is a God and his name is Jesus and bring the hope that you have into the relationships that God has put you into. I love that. Craig, I am like, listening to you so pumped up because it is so true we have pulled back too often to share this hope that for many of us know it just trans transformed our lives and for some of you if you're looking for transformation in your life you find it in the person of jesus and what's amazing is when transformation takes place inside of us something happens where we can't help but begin to want to uh, it moves outside of us and so we see this final way that the early church begins to explode, that they move the mission forward in methods that were not the first initial strategy, but unlikely, but in the most beautiful way. They serve the needs. In Acts 4.32, it says that all the believers were one in heart and mind, and they shared everything they had. This is a beautiful picture of the heart of Jesus Christ. Jesus tells his disciples before he leaves, he says, that people are going to know you are my disciples. He goes, here's the way, guys. Here's the way, fellas, right, for all of us. If you want the church to be most attractive to people, if you want it to be more potent, uh, most impactful, then here's what you do, right? That people will know you're my disciples by the way you love one another. They serve those needs. When they saw one another, it says they had one heart and one mind. That means they didn't look at each other as better than somebody else. No matter their economic status, their ethnicity, their background, academic setting, nothing at all like that. They love one another and care for one another, and they served and met those needs. And we see this is also the heart of Jesus, that he comes from heaven to earth. He brings the kingdom of heaven to earth, uh, right? And he does so, and he offers himself freely to everybody. And Jesus says, well, how do we do this? When you do this to the least of these, you've done this unto me. It's as if when we are serving, we're actually serving 
Jesus himself. And I, I just, as I've been watching this, people in our communities all around, so many of you have been so generous and so loving and so kind. And it reminds me of something a guy named Dave Gibbons wrote in a book called Small Cloud Rising. He said that you see people. And if you begin to see them through the eyes of Jesus, you want to get to know them. And as you get to know them, you actually have the opportunity to bless them and to encourage their life. We've had an amazing person, Stacy uh, Norberg, at our campus that she's been sewing masks and, 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 and giving masks for people that need them. We've had Gal and Dale Adams that have been delivering apple pies. <laughs> I've been telling everybody about these amazing apple pies they deliver. And it sounds so simple. Uh, like just delivering an apple pie, but there's so much beauty and power and hope that comes in that, that somebody actually took the time to bake an apple pie and bring it to you, right? It's simple things. I've got a friend that's a firefighter, and when he's done with shifts that, because he's already exposed to COVID being on the front lines, that he'll go and he'll find people that uh, ha have kind of maybe a, a compromised immune system. He'll go buy their groceries and set them on their front porch for them. I'm like, it's unbelievable. So simple, but so powerful. And I think about my friend Marion, uh, Marion and Bob Smith. Marion was sharing... Uh, with this couple nights going to Zoom call, right, the new normal, uh, that she actually found this beautiful, wonderful lady that's in her late 80s, and she's in a long-term care facility and doesn't have anybody to visit her. And so Marion calls her a couple times a week on the phone, right? You could just call somebody on the phone, just serving the needs. And she reads her a novel. She reads through novels. And this encourages this beautiful lady's heart and soul so much and prays for her on the phone. And I just stopped and thought, like, this is our mission, this is our moment to pick up the phone, to deliver groceries, to talk to your neighbor, to believe and ask God for power, to ask for the miraculous, to maybe mourn the lost, to share the hope, to serve the needs. Like, this is it. I, I, I love it. I mean, Craig, there's no greater time in human history than right now for us as a church to begin to do this. Uh, I just I, I agree. I love this. I agree. And as you look at the early disciples, when they embraced this mission, I mean, that's when the church exploded. Right? You track the growth of the church over the first 300 years. At the end of the first 100 years, it's not too impressive. It's 10,000 people approximately. That's like in 100 years, basically Kensington. But then at the end of 200 years, you've got 200,000. Getting better. At the end of the third century, there's approximately 6 million followers of Jesus on the planet. At the time, that would have been 10% of the population of the world. That's incredible. And the only reason that happened was not because they relied on all the things they thought they needed, but because everyday, average, ordinary men, women, and children who followed Jesus embraced this was their mission and that that was their moment to step into it like never before. And I think this is our moment. It's our mission. It's our moment. One of the things we want to encourage you to do is really take to heart this idea of 1881, Acts 1-8, Acts 8-1, the mission and the method to bring Jesus to all people at all times, in all places, through all situations, and especially realizing that sometimes the greatest obstacles that we face become our biggest opportunities. So here's what we're gonna challenge you to do, 1881. Get it somewhere where you're gonna see it on a regular basis. Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna mark myself in the place that Jesus marked himself for me. 1881. To bring the mission of Jesus all people, in all places, through all situations, and ask that God gives me the courage in the coming weeks to serve the needs and to share the hope that I have. And I'm going to challenge you to do the same. Whether it's you go paint that on your sidewalk or your kids make pictures of it or you mark it on your wrist, keep it somewhere that keeps you mindful that this is what we exist for. And I know it won't be easy, right? Because even when the early followers stepped into the mission that Jesus had for them, they lost. There were things that they lost. Some of them lost homes. Some of them lost their jobs. All of them lost their place of worship. Many of them lost their lives. But God will often use what threatens us to push and motivate us. And I think it's safe to say that right now this pandemic is a threat. And I think it's also safe to say that being confined to our homes is a barrier. But here's the truth. If you and I will embrace that this is our mission, pray for courage, and then step into this mission like never before, I promise you, we just might change the world from our living rooms. This is our mission. This is our moment. Love that, Craig. As you were sharing that, I wrote that on the same thing, 1881. Mission right in our moment. So we want to encourage each one of you. So many of you are already on mission, and you're capitalizing on this being your moment. And so we've been able to compile some beautiful stories and 
uh, of people being on mission in their moment right now that we want to show you. Before we do that, we just want to close in prayer uh, as we kind of move on to this video to watch you, to be inspired, and to remind you that this is your mission. And this could be, if you're not on it right now, your moment. Father, we ask you, God of heaven, uh, the name of Jesus, there is no more name more powerful uh, in heaven or on earth than yours. We ask you to encourage us as your church to give us boldness and power, Jesus. We are weak and we are insignificant without you, but with you, Lord, you do so many amazing things. So we surrender our lives to you, uh, God, that we can be on mission with you and that you can remind us this is our moment. So may you bless in the most powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. We have seen God do amazing things over the past 30 years through the people of Kensington. People responding to the nudges of God, taking the hope and joy of Jesus to their neighborhoods, communities, workplaces, schools throughout the country, and even throughout the world. And you would think at a time like this, during this pandemic that we're in right now, that things would slow down. Well, nothing could be further from the truth. There is nothing more powerful or beautiful than people responding to the movement of God. And here are just a few things that we would love to highlight. Since Kensington has gone exclusively online, we have seen our midweek and weekend attendance at an all-time high. On an average week, we have had between 15 and 20,000 individual devices tune into our services. And our social media engagement has increased by nearly 2,000%. Those are crazy numbers. On Good Friday and Easter combined, we had nearly 40,000 unique devices tune in. People had a chance to experience the incredible sacrificial love of Jesus on Good Friday, and then three days later, the opportunity to celebrate the greatest day in history, the resurrection of Jesus on Easter Sunday. And it's not just our services that are having an impact. All of our teams that are part of our Move Out Network have been extremely busy blessing people in our local areas. Our dream with our Move Out strategy is to equip and mobilize people to really love their neighbors and to be the church beyond our four walls. And this COVID-19 crisis has given us really an incredible opportunity to live out that strategy um, and to be the church. Kensington is financially partnering with local area restaurants to provide meal services for medical professionals in area hospitals through FLAG, Frontline Appreciation Group. On Easter Sunday, we helped provide 1,000 meals to hospital staff. In the near future, Kensington will be providing 725 more meals. We just wanted to say thank you so much for this meal today and the fellowship and your continued prayers and support means so much to us on the front lines. We're going to fight this thing and, you know, just thank you so much. Just remember that God is good all the time and that this too shall pass. Stay well. Kensington is also providing financial support to community food relief organizations in Oakland, Macomb, and Wayne counties, along with Traverse City. These organizations provide emergency relief to some of the most vulnerable families in our communities. We have been able to assist in providing 15,000 meals and one pallet of baby formula for families in need through local food banks. Our House of Hope team, a ministry started by Brooke Simmons and Alyssa Waddell, has provided over 2,500 lunches to kids in two mobile home communities not receiving school meals. And we wanna let you all know that it's being felt here by our community. Our community feels seen, heard, and loved. And I know this because the source of I want to help has shifted and is now coming from inside our own community. Our school partners move out teams have been crushing it. Volunteers assembled over 2,800 school supply bags, approximately 1,000 academic packets for students in grades K through five have been provided at the beginning of the school shutdown. Volunteers have been busy writing personal notes to each recipient. At this time, Kensington has made a commitment for over 860 notes per week with the numbers continuing to grow. And our own Kensington kids provided over 500 Easter craft kits to school partners that were shared with other move out teams to help celebrate Easter. Another way we've been involved with our school partners is something called Breakfast Buddies. And here's Michaela who dreamed this whole thing up to tell us about it. So I partnered with our young adult ministry, 1829, along with one of our school partners, Rogers Elementary, and created my own move out team called the Breakfast Buddies. 
Um, Rogers provides a free breakfast every morning to every kid, which is so cool. And with COVID and the schools being shut down early, it's unfortunate that we aren't able to say bye to any of the kids. So my team and I created just a short little encouragement video and it was just something fun to do to show them that even though we can't physically be with them, that we're still with them and that we still love them and that we still support them. During this pandemic, a lot of people have fallen on hard times. Many families have experienced job loss and income loss. And Kensington as a church is responding to these needs. People in our seats and in our community are receiving gift cards or help paying their DTE bills. And to date, over 275 households have received this help. And the cool thing is, out of these households, many people are asking on someone else's behalf. Dear Kensington family, I wanted to thank you and let you know how much I appreciate your call. During this time, I'm a nurse working with COVID-19 patients. The staff member who called me prayed for me and my family personally, which brought tears to my eyes. I'll pass a billboard or hear a thank you on the radio, but for someone to call and personally pray for me made me feel loved and appreciated. Kensington also donated a gift card to a family member of mine who lost their job at this time. It's hopeful to know that there's a light in times of darkness. Thanks, Alyssa. We have been providing emotional support services, including professional counseling sessions and a live prayer and support chat line. As of today, the prayer chat line, which is live, has responded to nearly 300 people reaching out for person-to-person -person prayer. We are excited to share all these amazing things that God has done through us together as a church. But the greatest stories come from you. You who are taking the love and hope of Jesus to your neighbors, co-workers, or whoever it is that God has placed in your path. And here are just a few examples. We have two women who have made over 2,000 masks and 113 caps to provide for our frontline workers. And now they're training other people to do the same thing. We have Gail and Dale Adams baking pies and then doing surprise front porch deliveries with them. We have people starting Zoom prayer groups. Many people volunteering with our move out teams. We have neighbors that are putting out tables on the front yard with food and products with big signs that say free. People helping their neighbors by leaving a roll of toilet paper on their front step with a word of encouragement. Drive-by birthday parties. And one of my favorites, it's a men's prayer group that wanted to serve our first responders. And to date, over 210 meals have been provided for various police and fire stations along with three hospitals. There are countless stories of people doing amazing things. In fact, there are so many stories that we just don't have time to go over all of them. But I just wanted to thank you. Uh, thank you for being the church. Thank you for being a light during this dark time. And I'm so proud to be part of a community who is making a difference in this world. May the Lord bless you and keep you.
your family and your children and their children and their children may his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children There's nothing that we can do that can change that. There's nothing that we have done in our past. There's nothing that we could do today or in our future that will change that. He is always for us. And his love for us is great. It's deep. It's wide. And I hope that you and I will have a greater and a newer understanding of that. And it will sink deep into our hearts. And that we will live that out in new and different ways. As we have a greater understanding of how much he is for us. His favor that rests upon us. And his love for us. It was so encouraging just to see all the different ways that people within our Kensington community are moving out during this COVID-19 pandemic. How they are being his love to the community around us. And I want to say thank you so much for joining us today. We would love the opportunity to be able to connect with you. If you go to our website, you'll find a little chat icon bubble. If you click on that, we have a team that is available right now that could just talk with you or even pray with you. So please check that out. And I would love to invite you to join us on Wednesday night for our midweek series. We can't wait to see you back here online. I hope you have a great day. Bye.